Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. Greetings and welcome back to the program again this week. I trust that you are being blessed by the series that we're doing on the book of Hebrews. Uh, we're going to continue with that series today as we continue to talk about Hebrews, the seventh chapter of Melchizedek, and we're going to talk about New Covenant tithing and giving. What I want to share with you is not something I teach, it's something I practice. It's what I do with my substance and uh, what I believe. And so at this point, this is what's coming from my heart. You have to follow the conviction of your own heart. But let me just say to you before you tune me out that I am not going to teach that you are under a curse if you don't tithe. That's one of the things we have been redeemed from is we have been redeemed from the curse of the law. So we're going to talk about it from a new covenant perspective. We've already done three segments on this and you can go back and watch them on YouTube or you can get it on iTunes. Let me say very quickly, if you missed any of these or any of our programs for that matter, uh, you can simply go back to YouTube and watch them on demand on your uh, computer, your smart device, your Roku, any form of internet outlet, it is available on demand at your leisure. Uh, you can also go back to our podcast on iTunes and you can get the audio portion of this. So you can stream it in your car while you're driving to work and, and listen in 30-minute segments to our podcast. If you subscribe to either one of those, they will let you know when there is a new one up. Uh, also, there's an RSS feed for your Android device. The easiest way to do all of that is to simply go uh, to our website and there is a icon or a link there that will take you directly to our YouTube page, to our RSS feed, and to our podcast. Now I want to get back in the Word today and talk to you a little bit more out of Hebrews 7. So let's read the text again. For this Melchizedek is king of Salem, priest of the Most High. He's the priest of the Most High God who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being by interpretation king of righteousness, and after that also the king of Salem, which is the king of peace. Without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like unto the Son of God, abideth a priest continually. Now consider how great this man was, unto whom even the patriarch Abraham gave the tenth of the spoils. Now let me just stop for a moment because we've, we've built this for the last three weeks. Abraham, a few key points that I want to make, is not giving tithe to get the victory. Abraham is on his way back from one. In the new covenant, we are not giving to get the victory. We are giving because we're on our way back from one. Now that victory that we have is the victory that was won by Christ. He's defeated all of the kings. And so we are in a posture of we are already blessed. We are highly favored, and the grace of God is on us. Now, one of the things that I said to you last week is the Lord spoke to me some time ago, and He said, you cannot earn grace and favor, but you can steward it. And I said, Lord, I'm not even sure there's a scripture for that. And sure enough, when I got up into my room and looked into the concordance, Second Peter talks about we are stewards of the manifold grace of God. And that, that's not only our finances, that's our health, our bodies, our all the favor of God that's in our lives, we can steward it. So favor is on all of us. But if it's just a, you know, a blanket, you know, uh, 
if it, in other words, let me ask you this. You look around you and you say, well, this guy's blessed, this, guy, uh, uh, this guy's rich, this guy's not. What's the difference? Well, may, it may be a difference in stewardship. What are you doing with the blessings? Now, one of the things that I want you to see is that, you know, of course, Genesis chapter 1 says, And the Lord God blessed them and said, Be fruitful, multiply, and replenish the earth. So you are blessed in order to be a blessing. He says in another place, If you'll seek first the kingdom and His righteousness, all these things are added to you. So I believe when we give some priority to the kingdom, then there are some residual blessings that come because there are laws in motion, like I said last week, that are neither the law of Moses nor laws of the land. They are laws of nature. If you sow, you're going to reap. If you put a tomato seed in the ground and your neighbor puts one, you're a believer and your neighbor is not a believer. This same law works for him that works for you because the rain will fall on the just and the unjust and both of you will receive uh, you know, a, a harvest on the seed if you planted a tomato. Now you say, well, I just, you know, I'm not going to plant a tomato seed. Well, you're probably not going to get tomatoes. And uh, so, you know, you, you might get some tomatoes if your neighbor who planted seed has too much and he blesses you with some. But the reality of it is, is that if you sow sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. But here's what I'm after. It's not so much the giving aspect, it's the condition of the heart. Now, Abraham it was on his way back from the slaughter of the kings of Chedorlaomer. He took 318 men trained in his own house and went down and whipped five kings. And when he did, he brought back all of that spoil and he gave, uh, the he gave tithe, which means 10%. That's, that's, that's what the word itself means. Now, we're not again going to make a law out of this. Stay with me just a moment. He gave a tithe of all. And what we see in Hebrews chapter 7 is... It goes on down through here and says that Levi has a commandment. Verse number 5 says, And verily they that are of the sons of Levi, who received the office of the priesthood, have a commandment, a commandment to take tithes of the people according to law, that is, of their brethren, though they come out of the loins of Abraham. But he whose descent is not counted from them received tithes of Abraham and blessed him that had the promise. Here's the principle. Levi, Old Covenant, it's under command. To, to, you, you have to. It is a law. You are cursed if you don't, if you're under the law. But we're not under the law, so we've been redeemed from the curse of the law. But now that we've been redeemed, Melchizedek does not take. He simply receives tithe. There was no mandate put on Abraham. There was no command. The response of his heart was he came into contact with Melchizedek. Melchizedek serves him bread and wine. Bread and wine is a symbol of the finished work of Jesus Christ. In my opinion, I believe that when you sow, you ought to sow into Melchizedek priesthood ministries because I believe that there is a blessing that flows that when you are sowing not so much into that person, but you're sowing into what that bread and wine represents, you are giving. See, he, he gave, not command, he gave tithe to Melchizedek. I really believe it's, uh, the principle is very similar when the Apostle Paul is talking about giving in another place. He says it like this, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For if we sow to the flesh, we will of the flesh reap corruption. But if we sow to the Spirit, we will out of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Now there's a couple things that I want to say about that is that sowing to the flesh, in my opinion, could be meant in this text as sowing into Old Covenant 
Levitical priesthood stuff that is, uh, that is you know, it, it, it's sown into corruption. If you're sowing into Melchizedek, new covenant, life-giving, you're sowing into the Spirit. And if you sow to one, you're going to reap whatever it is you're sowing into. Now, let me say this as well, because there's another way to look at it that I think is very valid and is also uh, very possibly what the Scripture could mean. He said, when you sow to the flesh, you will out of the flesh reap corruption. Now, let's look at it from this viewpoint. Paul talks about, like, for instance, if you, uh, uh, what is it that we reap your carnal things? So, uh, let's say it like this. If you're sowing into... Let's say, let's say you buy a boat. There's nothing wrong with owning a boat. Absolutely nothing wrong with owning a boat. I hope you got a boat. Here's what the thing is. is if you're sowing into the flesh, in other words, you're buying all of these things that are corruptible. That boat's going to wear out. A house is going to wear out. Uh, your shoes are going to wear out. Those are corruptible things. And so that, that's not neither heaven, hell, or good, bad. That's just saying that you're sowing into things that don't have any eternal value. So, and you, you need to sow into that. In other words, there's nothing wrong with having a great house, nothing wrong with having good clothes, even though they are corruptible things that will perish and fade away. Uh, but they are things that are involved in this life that are passing away. But what he's saying is here as well, see, if you sow into those things, you're going to have tangible things. There's a lot of people that's got a lot of stuff. And, and, you know, I mean, and, and, and when you come to the end of your life, you're going to look back and think, you know what? This stuff is not really what was important. It's what I sowed into that had eternal value. So when you sow into the Spirit, you're sowing into things that have to do with the kingdom of God, the incorruptible things. You're sowing into your, your uh, uh, when you sow into Melchizedek and you take bread and wine, you're sowing into something that qualifies you. You're sowing into something that, that doesn't push you away, that feeds you. See, after Abraham gives tithe to Melchizedek, in chapter 15, he, he, Melchizedek then blesses Abraham of the Most High God and reaffirms his promise to Abraham of a seed that is coming and begins to reiterate that promise to Abraham. And so having made, had lunch, if you will, with Melchizedek, Abraham is coming back and he is, uh, uh, he, 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 he's receiving the blessing. And it's at that place in Genesis chapter 15 that says, it was after this that the Lord came to Abraham in a vision and said to him, I am your shield and exceeding great reward. In other words, I'm the reward you're getting. I mean, when you get Jesus, you get the whole deal, the whole package, the whole blessing. I'm your shield and your exceeding great reward. Uh, and he said, he renews his promise to Abraham of the seed that is to be born that will be his heir. It is only after an encounter with Melchizedek and partaking of bread and wine that the renewal of the promised seed is made. And in Genesis 15, verse 6, it said, Abraham believed God then, and it was counted to him for righteousness. Hence his meeting with Melchizedek, who is the king of righteousness, made him heir of the righteousness through faith. So he believes the promise of God. See, it becomes a whole lot easier to believe the promise of God when you receive bread and wine, when you receive ministry from a mercy seat. Man, there's too much to package in a small amount of time here, but go back and listen to the other segments. Melchizedek is feeding you from the mercy seat, the most holy place, from a righteousness that comes from a king of righteousness, from a peace that comes from the king of peace. 
And what happens is, is the moment you begin to feed on the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, faith begins to come to you for righteousness as well. It is feeding on that kind of a message that we become the heir. And Abraham became heir of that salvation through faith because of his meeting with Melchizedek. Of course, we know that the seed of Abraham is ultimately fulfilled in Christ as well as the promise of the land inheritance. All of the promises that God made were fulfilled in Christ, all of God's promises. The seed that God promised to Abraham was that seed that was ultimately Christ. Now let me go on to say, he says then in chapter 7, when he talks about this Melchizedek, now we know that this Melchizedek is talking about Jesus. And he says, consider how great this man was. Now we're talking about an Old Testament picture of Jesus. But he says, consider how great this man was. Now I'm going to take you to the New Covenant, realizing that Melchizedek in the Old Covenant was a picture of Jesus and say, consider how great this man is. That Abraham was a patriarch, gave a tenth of his spoils. What motivates me to give tithe is when I consider how great this man is. Hallelujah. Then the less is always blessed of the greater. But there's something that happens in an exchange of being able to give, not because you have to. Remember, Levi takes tithe. Melchizedek receives them. Listen, everything we have has been given to us anyway. It's like I shared in the last segment about my granddaughter giving me a gift. I, I, I was reading Psalm 50. He said, listen, he said, did I ever, was I ever thirsty for the blood of bulls? Did I ever need the, the fat of rams? Uh, did, did, did I ever really want this? He said, listen, all the fowls of the mountain already belong to me. The cattle on a thousand hills is mine. If I were hungry, I would not ask you. God didn't put this stuff in the realm of our giving because He needed something. He put it in the realm of our giving so we could express our hearts to Him. And I used the example of how my granddaughter, who has no resources of her own, uses, you know, either my money or her father's money or whoever gives her money, who bought me a gift for Christmas, and yet it was such a small thing, but so valuable to me, because what she gave me was a little heart. And she said, Pap, when you're on, on an airplane, she thinks it's my airplane. It's not my airplane. I don't have my own airplane. But she thinks it's mine because she's little. And she said, when you're on your airplane or you're away from us and you're preaching, she said, if you just pull that out of your pocket and rub it, you'll remember that no matter where I'm at, I love you. And boy, she crawled up in my lap and she hugged me. And I thought to myself, what a valuable gift. And can I tell you what that did in my heart? It released blessing towards her to just want to bless the socks off of them. God does it. Put stuff, listen, God doesn't need the fat of rams. He doesn't need the blood of, He doesn't need money. He doesn't need, He already owns all the gold mines, all the diamond mines. So that everything we already have is already His. So our response of giving tithe or giving offerings, if you don't want to call it tithe, don't call it tithe. Here's the thing, we don't mind going to a restaurant and knowing that there's an expectancy of 15% on that plate. But we don't, we, when we say tithe, people want to cringe. But I'm going to tell you something. Abraham gave tithe. Somebody said, well, he gave it one time. 
Well, then I would say go count all your spoils and give your tithe one time if that's what you want to say. But see, somehow or the other, his children followed some of these same patterns of giving as they went on down through here. And so the, the, the issue even with me as I read on down in Hebrews chapter 7 is he said, here on earth men who die take tithe, but there he receiveth them. So the fact that it says there he receives, it tells me that Jesus, who is Melchizedek, is right now seated in the heaven, and he still receiveth tithe. I don't know how you can get around the fact that there he receiveth them. It looks to me like if you bring it, he still receives it. In other words, it's not about what you're giving to people. It's about the heart that says, I'm giving this to Melchizedek. And I'm believing because Melchizedek is serving me bread and wine. That's what this whole book of Hebrews is about, is a better covenant. And communion deals with the whole idea of a blood of a better covenant and the better things and the better provision and the better blessing. Somebody said, well, you know, I, see, I think what has happened to the degrees, we've almost got to the point where we've swung the swing, chandelier has swung to the point where uh, we almost want to make people feel condemned if, they, if they, they want to give tithe or they want to give offerings. We've almost made it like it's a sin to give because, bless God, you're not up under the curse. Let me just, let me just cut through all the fat and say this. What you don't support goes away. I don't care if it's your local church. I don't care if it's your baseball team. What you don't support goes away. I believe in my local church. I believe in the ministries that I am connected to. I believe in sowing seed, and I believe in, in starting at the point because I think the new covenant is a better covenant, and it's, and it's all grace abound. And so I, for me, it's just a good place to start with to give a tithe of all. And I, again, I'm not paying tithe. I'm giving the tithe because He there receiveth them. So he's still receiving. And when I give my tithe, I don't think about it like I'm just writing a check to this person or I'm giving to that or this thing. And that while the support does go there, I'm, I'm giving it as unto the Lord for there he receiveth them. He's still receiving them. The issue is what's in your heart. I've seen so many grace churches in the last year or so begin to shut down because people stopped giving. Now, I, you know, I, I, what that really shows me is that once you found out that you're not under a curse if you don't give, is that it really was not in your heart to start out with because you were giving grudgingly. See, the Scripture talks about three dimensions of giving. He says we don't give grudgingly. That's where you write your check for $23.30 because you don't want to beat God out of a penny and you won't even round it up to the nearest dollar. That's grudgingly. That's first dimension giving nor of necessity. That's second dimension, where you're giving in order to get something, and that does work on those levels. But the third dimension of giving, the most holy place dimension, the mercy seat giving, is God loves a cheerful, quick-to-do-it giver. It's something that's flowing from the heart, and then God is able to make all grace abound to you. And so he says, let every man give as he's purposed in his own heart. You say, well, Brother House, I cannot afford to give a tithe. Then let me say this to you. You're not under a curse. But I would suggest this to you. Start somewhere. Start somewhere and give what you feel like you can truly give from the joy that's in your heart. But here's a motivational part for me is that when I'm giving, what I'm realizing is I'm considering how great this man is. He's the greatest. Hallelujah. 
Consider how great he was that even the patriarch uh, Abraham gave a tenth of all his spoils. With that thought in mind, I want you to take, I want us to go on over into, let's think about, let, let me, I'll just quote this because we're going to run out of time and I want to try to get this in this segment. Malachi chapter 3 is, he tells you, this commandment is for you, O priest. I think I will turn over to Malachi because it, it, it would probably be important to look at it. Now, let me tell you again before we get to Malachi that you've probably heard everybody go to Malachi and teach tithing from Malachi under the curse. But I want to show you something in Malachi that I think is going to help you readjust some of your thinking. Once again, this is what I truly believe, and this is what I operate on, and this is what I personally do. It said, Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. Even the messenger of the covenant whom you delight in, behold, he shall come, saith the Lord. And But who may abide the day of his coming, and who shall stand when he appears? For he is like refiner's fire and like fullership. Now let me tell you, first of all, that the messenger of the covenant that was to prepare the way before him, that was John the Baptist, who was a Levitical priest. Now see, this book of Malachi was written to priests, and the priests were the ones that he's talking to who were supposed to give. Now in the New Covenant, we're not Levitical priests, but we are priests after the order of Melchizedek. So this commandment was for the priests. But John the Baptist is the voice of the messenger that has come before, and he's in the River Jordan. If you remember what I said before in the prior segment, John the Baptist is a Levitical priest. And Jesus is Melchizedek. And Jesus is, John is relinquishing his priesthood to Melchizedek. Then he comes and, and says to them, listen, I'm going to come like fuller's soap, and I'm going to purge the sons of Levi that they may offer to the Lord uh, an offering uh, that is pleasant to the Lord. And let me go on down here because he says, it, he begins to, uh, 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 verse 8, he said, Well, a man robbed God, yet you have robbed me. But you say, Wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and an offering. Now stay with me a minute. You're cursed with the curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithe into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven, and pour you out a blessing, and there shall not be room enough to receive it, and I will rebuke the devourer for you sh your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruit of your ground, neither shall your vine cast the fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of, of hosts, and all nations shall call you blessed, for you shall be a delightsome land, saith the Lord of hosts. Now let me just say to you that uh, first, once again, most people take Malachi 3 and try to preach you under a curse. Now, what I'm going to show you is you're not under a curse, but you are under a blessing. Now, if John the Baptist is the fulfillment of I will send you uh, 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 before my face a messenger to prepare the way, John was the messenger that prepared the way. John was also a Levitical priest, and in the book of Hebrews, it tells you that Levi paid tithe while he was yet in the loins of Abraham. And I want to tell you that in the river Jordan, when John the Baptist baptized Jesus, he was showing him that Jesus is the offering of the first fruit, that he is in fact the tithe. He was the first fruits of them that slept. He's the first fruit. He's the tithe, if you will. So Jesus is the tithe, and Jesus paid the tithe of the old covenant. So once again, you don't owe anything. You're not paying, but you do give tithe. Now watch this. If you, he says in Malachi, if you will bring the tithe, watch this. If the tithe is Christ, if you will bring the tithe into the storehouse. Now in the new covenant, the temple's not a building. It's, it's you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Now watch this. 
If you bring the tithe, which is Christ, into the storehouse, listen, if you have a tithe living inside of you, you will never have a problem giving one. Because he goes on to say, if you will bring the tithe, which is Christ, the first fruit, into the storehouse, then I will open you. He didn't say I will open for you. I will open you as a window in heaven. You will become the spout where the glory comes out. You will become a dispenser of the blessing. When you bring the tithe into the storehouse, and you, then God opens you up and pours you out as a blessing, then He rebukes the devourer for your sake because of you. He will not cause your fruit to be cast before the time, but He will cause this fruit to flow out of you. So when you have a tithe living inside of you, then God opens you up as a window of heaven, and He begins to pour you out as a blessing that there is not room enough to receive. So you are blessed in order to be a blessing. He said, I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake. You'll become a delightsome land. You will not cast your fruit before the time. And uh, uh, in other words, because of you. Man, uh, to me, it's just such an awesome thing to realize that, that, there, that you become a dispenser. I can't help but think about the, uh, the four leprous men who sat in at the entering end of the gates of the temple. Uh, you know, or not the entering of the gates of the temple, but the entering of the gates of the city. They said, you know, there are four lepers. And they said, listen, if we sit here, we're going to die. If we go out, we're going to die. And the king came and said, if God would make windows in heaven, how could this thing be? But listen, four lepers who didn't have nothing to lose became a window of the heavens. I don't know about you, but I want to become a source of supply. I want to become a window. I want to become a door. I want to see that what I'm able to do with my finances, rebuke the devourer on our cities, on our families, on the fruit of our lands, and see the blessing of God come upon us because we realize that we are, uh, we are uh, uh, the, the spout where the glory comes out. Uh, there's so many things that could be said here, but uh, the, the key is I want you again to see that there he receives tithes of whom it is said. Uh, hallelujah. There he does. In other words, he's still receiving them. Not because you have to, but because God loves a cheerful giver, a joyous giver. And, you know, once again, I'm not going to go back to Deuteronomy, and I'm not going to teach it from Deuteronomy because we're not under Deuteronomy. But I believe that Abraham preceded the Old Covenant, and he did this thing from his heart. Let me just say this to you. Find Something, you know, and I think sometimes, you know, when people first of all stop, it's because they've been so abused by wrong motivations that they stop giving, and I don't blame you. You are not giving to get a breakthrough. You already got a breakthrough. You're on your way back from a victory. There's nothing you have to do to earn it. But once you realize, I am blessed, I'm the seed of Abraham. My tithe has already been paid in Christ, and He now lives inside of me. And if there's a tithe living in me, God wants to open me up and pour me out as a blessing. And you give out of a cheerful heart. God is able to make all grace abound to you. We are out of time. If you believe that you've been blessed by this and you want to give to this ministry, we welcome it. It's what it takes to, and we're, we're being as honest as we know how to do it with telling you the truth about giving. But if you would like to help us take this kind of gospel around the world and you believe we're bread and wine and we're worth sowing into, 
then call that number on the screen, send it to us via the mail, or you can go on our website and give via credit card. You can become a partner there and sign up for a monthly debit if you'd like. But if you, no one answers the phone, leave a message. They will call you back if you'd like them to. God bless you and thank you for joining in. I trust this has been a blessing to you. May God's grace abound to you. God bless you. I'm very excited to announce the release of my newest book. It is titled, From Law to Grace, A Kingdom Paradigm Shift. In this book, we talk about how the gospel is not about a law you have to keep. It is about receiving a life that will keep you. It is not about living this life out of fear. It is about living a life of faith. It is not about rules. It's about a relationship with a loving Father. It is about moving from the old covenant government of condemnation to the new covenant government of affirmation. It is about living life as a citizen of the kingdom right now.